Welcome to the Tabletops and Tentacles podcast, a podcast about games, art, RPGs, comics, fiction, film, and everything geeky in between. This is a special episode of the podcast where we sat down and talked to Alphineas Goo of Gooey Cube. They are an RPG adventure and accessory creator based out of Colorado, and we sat across from them at SaltCon 2020 in Leighton, Utah this year, right before everything got shut down due to the plague. And we were really excited about sitting down and talking with him about what they do and kind of what their philosophy is about RPGs and adventures. I think this was a super fun interview. We have the actual print interview for this planned for issue three, but they have a Kickstarter going right now for their adventures. And so we thought it would be fun to put this interview out a little ahead of time so you can hear from his own mouth what they've got going on with Gooey Cube and all of their adventures. I hope you enjoy, and as always, there will be links in the description to their Kickstarter and where you can find them and us online. So I'm here with uh, Elphinius Goo, sir, Elfinius at your service. Yes. yes, and you are with? I am with Gooey Cube. Gooey Cube, Cube, yes. Gooey Cube is a visual company out of Colorado. We uh, began this foray and journey at... Uh, at Gen Con, which uh, this last year where we launched, so we're what seven months old, six months old, something like this. September, October, November, December, January, okay. February. Nice. Yeah, so seven months Approximately old. Approximately that. Yeah, yes. Like that. <laughs> and um, we were actually selected to be on Entrepreneurs Row, which I think is a big deal to be able to get it in is. there. As many that are asked, and or many that are, that ask, and few that are chosen. So that was a good thing, and we had great success there. So, um, so we make uh, adventures for the fifth edition. I cannot use the word. Perhaps yes. you can. Yes. For the fifth edition. Of and the world's greatest role-playing yes, game amazing, or whatever yes. it is. The yes. greatest adventures ever made yes. for the greatest game that was ah. ever played. Yes. Okay. Because what our goal is is to create a much more immersive experience for the players while we make the game master's life far easier. So all of the materials and things that people tend to spend time on producing, handouts and props, um, imagery that, that they draw themselves or get other people to draw or perhaps even you know find certain things on the internet that they use for home use and those kinds of things. This is just a lot of work. You know, yes. It's tremendous. yes, it is. And it is also not game prep. Mm-hmm. That is more administrative functions, if you want to use some kind of word, right? Because they are gathering things that they're going to use, but it's not truly the preparation of the game. Right. Now, we all have only certain finite amount of hours that we can spend in game preparation. Mm-hmm. And if we're spending a crap load of time over here, I apologize for using the word crap load, but you know <laughs> what I'm saying. Yes, you use a bunch of stuff over here, right? You don't have as much time for actually preparing the game. Right. Which is what makes the game better, is you actually being prepared, at least in my experience. I know others would say you don't have to. I'm not here to pour shade on different people's mm-hmm. strategies and ideas. Different strokes for different folks. Absolutely. But I believe you should prepare. And I believe you should prepare well. And part of preparing well is knowing if they go this way, what am I doing? If they go that way, what am I doing? If they go back up, what am I doing? Or sometimes you have to just improvise the heck out of it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so our goal is to do exactly that. So we have um, adventures that are 
self-contained materials. They have uh, plenty of room for player agency, but they also provide um, a lot of material for the game master to use. Portraits of non-player characters with information about them. Uh, we provide all the magic items in our games are provided in cards. Um, we have players' maps as well as game masters' maps. Those players' maps uh, can be made with fog of war, so you put black sticky notes all over it, and mm-hmm. even decoy ones, right? And then you take them off as the players progress, so they can actually enjoy the map. So no more graph paper or tracing paper or whatever that kind of stuff is. Right. Or you can even blow them up. They are scalable to one inch equals five foot, so you could actually tabletop tile them if you wanted to. Nice. Um, our materials, uh, if you've seen them, you've seen them. So, you yes, know, they are yeah. spiral bound. Um, mm-hmm. That is intentional. And it's easy to browse through. It's and easy to open. laying on the, the screen, behind the screen. Yes. That yes. is the key, right? It, the book doesn't slam shut on you. You don't crack the back of your nice, perfect bound book. Right. And there are two books, right? There is the adventure itself, which is what guides the, the thing, yes? Mm-hmm. And then the Game Master's book. And the Game right. Master's book has all the encounters and such. So there's no flipping or flopping. You just... Find the encounter here in the adventure. You go over to the uh, game master book. The encounter is there. You run the encounter and you're done. Awesome. We also do a lot of little things like all of our encounters are level balanced for weaker parties, advanced parties. You can even make it tough or make it tougher if you want nice. to. Yes. So that because one person's level one is another person's level two, and some person's level four is another person's level three. Because but I you- do think it's interesting that what you've created seems focused on any level of game master as well. Oh, of course, yes. So so um, experienced and seasoned game masters will love the fact that they don't have to do all the crap that they normally would do. Right. Okay, that is the truth. Right. Um, I also think they will love our tales. Mm-hmm. You have a really interesting world you've created. Yes, yes. It is. It is. Um, it was really... Uh, it's been built over many years and much thought and, you know, inspired by many others that are out there. And um, uh, It is post-apocalyptic, um, but it's post-apocalyptic magic. Yes. There is no technology. There is no firearms and all that stuff. And it is, it is the collapse and corruption of the high magics, which were spells of the 10th, 11th, and 12th cycles that have now turned into this horrible toxic thing yes a radiation if you will an emanation right that that literally can warp and twist and corrupt a, a person right or a yeah. beast yes yeah. so this is where monsters come from right awesome. but it is also where abominations come from right so <laughs> so you have to understand that there are monsters like uh, like uh, owlbear or perhaps some undead creation or something like that some creature yes there are also abominations in Zyathe, which were created specifically from the horrible corruption that uh, that has taken hold in every stone and blade of grass. Nice. So, yes, we have tried to create a world that is relatively unique, with some very interesting new races. Um, the blood touch, which is the which is my strategy or idea to not have to do races all the time, right? Because we want to say yes to our players. This is what we right. want to do. Have a fun for them, yes. Right. But the problem with that is sometimes you don't want uh, Turtle Catagator to be <laughs> one of the races in your world, yes? Right. So the blood touch allows pretty much any character to be without the game master having to create a race and all this stuff that backs up that, that character. So I, I like it. I think it's a pretty elegant solution for game mastering. It also fits with Zyathe because the blood touch comes from the corrupted magics, yes, and this is what this is what uh, uh, what is afflicting everything in the world. Nice. 
So um, the the pantheon is kind of interesting. There's the, the the more traditional, what you would say, gods of good, gods of evil, and gods of neutrality. Yes, um, there are not a huge number of them. There are only 72 versus many of these pantheons go on and on and on. Right. I don't like that because it sometimes makes you know. It just there's a new god all the time. For yeah, some, it, and it's just, it just just new crunch. Correct for me, yes. <laughs> and so so no matter where you go on Zayafe, it's the same 72 gods. Um, they might have different flavors of how they are worshipped in different mm-hmm. places, but they are still the same 72. But there are also the four lords of corruption, which were created uh, in the initial creation, not of the creator, right? So that it was a it was an accident or. Something. Yes. Okay. This is all talked about in the lore of the second Nice. So I believe we have created a wonderful, marvelous, uh, intriguing, a little bit scary. Mm-hmm. I say this a lot. I said it, it's it's a little bit of medieval fantasy. It's a little bit of high fantasy. It's a little bit of of uh, maybe steampunkiness, mm-hmm. but it's not steampunk. It is. Yeah. It is. Uh, it is uh, it's got that vibe without the tech. Yes, without the tech. Yes, and then gothic horror right yes. so so we want it to be a little more gritty a little more fearful yes and the the technology is actually created because in that whole catastrophe called the war of ruin mm-hmm. which is what really corrupted the magics in the first place and the nether flow and all these things that happened in that catastrophe uh, the the uh, there's explosions right the whole world was right. torn asunder yes but there was also a created thing that came out of that. This is called flowstones. Okay. So flowstones are magically imbued gems that are highly toxic in their raw form. They literally hold the corruption within them as well as the magics that they contain, yes? And they are any being, creature on the face of the planet. They cannot, they cannot touch these or hold them safely or stay within proximity to them for very long or things begin to happen to them, bad things. Yes? Okay. There's one exception. This is the Soth. The Soth people are insensate to arcane magic. They cannot cast any arcane spells. So this race is an interesting race in our, in our world. There are a number of them, but they are interesting. And the Soth are the only people because of that. If they have the skill, and that is rare to have the skill, they can cut the flow stones in such a manner so that the toxicity no longer emanates. Interesting. And then the gems may be tapped for the magic contained therein. Nice. So, um, so we have these wonderful, this wonderful thing going on with this race that can't do it. So there are, there are weapons that are created called fusils. Yes. So a fusil is, I mean, a little like a, a flintlock, perhaps, but it is no powder. It is nothing like that. It's all flowstone powered. Yes. And there are flow casters, which are you know, devices that enable the, the casting of the emanations of magics that are contained within the gems. And nice. So we b- build a nice little intriguing difference, right? It's a very different yes. take on magic, yes. and I, I think that's really cool to see something set in the 5e universe that isn't directly using everything right from the monster manual yes. kind of thing. No, in fact, it's not, because... I hate monster memorizers. You know about monster memorizers? Yes. You play as long as I have, and you play with people who are as old as me. They've all monster memorized. So every monster, first of all, they're not level dependent anymore, not in Zayafe. So there is a range of levels that a monster could be. And that is also more true to life. Think about it. It is. Right? In the wilds. There are little scrawny wolves. 
and big nasty wolves, yeah. right? Yeah. I would argue that the big nasty wolf probably has four or five hit dice, right? While the little scrawny one might only have one or two, right? right. But they're still wolves. Yes. Right? And so for a more realistic world, we have different levels. And also, depending on where they are, they could have different, different, slightly different powers, right? right. Some could be more intense than others because they're stronger or more capable or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. So that also helps to stop the monster memorization. Right. Um, we have our own takes on unique creatures, like uh, we have wretched walkers, not necessarily just zombies, right? And they have different things that they can do. And so there's lots of, as, and we haven't even published it yet, but when the Encyclopedia Monster comes out, there will be lots of wonderful monsters in there that you can throw at your players that they will not have the same nice. thing, yes? Um, so we were also talking about the flowstones and all of that stuff that, that these also are what power technic machinations. So we are building classes, uh, a, a variety of different classes for Zathe, but one of them is the technic artificator. Okay? okay? And the technic artificator creates these clockworky things, right? But they're not powered by steam nor other kinds of energy, they are powered by that which is, resides within the flowstones. Okay. And so again, brings a little different take on something that has maybe, you know, been done before, but yeah. maybe more interestingly. Yes? Yeah. So, I think it's marvelous. And yeah. I, we've gotten tremendous feedback. I mean, we have sold hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bundles. We have nearing a thousand people in our GUI Den of Enlightenment on the Facebook group. We have many people on our Discord channel. We are... Oh, yes, that's the last thing I did not tell you. Yeah, from a behind-the-scenes thing, like, the community involvement with this is yes. really interesting to yes. me. You really want to encourage people to live in this world you've created, and, like, how did you decide that that's how you wanted to go with that instead of creating a closed system? So I, for a long time, believe... First of all, I love, I love, I love this game, right? Yeah, your passion I, is apparent. I've been across from him all, all SaltCon, and his energy and enthusiasm for what he's created is really impressive. Well, it's not just me. There's a wonderful team of people, and, it, and as it goes forward, it will definitely not just be me, because that's one of my dreams. One of my dreams or beliefs was that we are a creative bunch, us role-playing people. Yes. We, we, we dream dreams, yes? We, we see things that yeah. many might not, yes? Yeah. And... Um, I have always thought that to be able to create a world where many could contribute to it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Rather than just a few, yeah. as long as there was a good foundation and people were willing to work within sort of some level of parameter, right. yes, you could create a collaborative world. Mm -hmm. And the technology of the modern day, I think, does enable that. I agree. So we've created a contributors guild, and we have nearly 300 people, and it's been barely started a couple months back right on and we are inviting submissions nice. and we will give rewards to the people whose submissions we accept so that it's not it is a good deal right it is not yeah. I mean it's not necessarily you know you're not being paid as like Stephen King might be paid but <laughs> for most part none of us are Stephen yeah, King nobody, yeah nobody yes yeah, so a, oh hats off to the horror writer yes um but we are, we are inviting people to bring a non-player character or a shop in a town or city or a strange location in the wilderness, yes, or nice. a monster or a spell or a magic item, which we, if, if, if they do a good job, mm -hmm. will publish those in our future materials. Nice. So it really does become a more our world, yeah. not our world. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, absolutely. 
So that has got that's captured a lot of imaginations, and I understand why it would because yeah. it, it's who we are. It's there's always been that that drive as an art, uh, role player to not just live in the world, but make your mark on the yes. world as well, and. As a player, a lot of the times you're doing something that vanishes into the mist afterwards. And I love the idea of creating this all-encompassing world that they can live in that they can also make their mark in. I think that's really cool. I'll tell you, I, I, can't, I won't name any names, but there are a couple of our friends who have lost loved ones. <laughs> and they literally uh, sent us an image of their loved one and we, uh, in the character, the description of their character. Nice. And we had one of our artists do a, a marvelous portrait and take that character, and they're going to appear in future materials as a memorial to awesome. someone who was loved. And I, I am... That is... I mean, how can that not make your heart warm? You know, yeah. how can that not yeah. make you feel good? You know, Absolutely. that... Uh, that they would like them to be remembered that way. They were both, apparently, they loved gaming, and, you know, they were just, they, we lost them too early. That's and great. friends miss them, and that is, uh, that is a marvelous thing. Yeah. Know? So, um, this is the kind of thing we're trying to do. I have no idea where it's going. We are so young. <laughs> we are, you know, six months, right? Yeah. And, and, um... The amount you've created in six months is impressive, though. Okay. Like, it's four, three boxes right now. Three boxes. Plus a massive tome yes. that you've created of this world and each of them tells a complete story but it's also an epic that yes. stretches into the others and I think like as a as a dungeon master as a player as somebody that just likes to collect RPGs and read them this is really cool I think it's a great idea I love all the the ephemera that you've added thank to you. it I think excellent having, word by the way well thank you uh -huh, very I, nice. I think the the NPC portraits and the thank letters you. and the maps and the different variants of the maps is something that a lot of dungeon masters either don't have time for or don't think about they don't realize how much an NPC portrait adds to the experience of playing that game knowing what that person looks like particularly if you're somebody that feels a struggle to describe a character yes. or something like that I think what you've done with that is really interesting yes. I it also you will find this if you play it right it's easier to role play them Yes. I put my sort of, I, you know, I, I have quite a few voices. Some only have a few, but that's all right. A few voices is wonderful. Yeah, you know, it is. I just put, so if my voice is Worf, mm -hmm. I put Worf right on the back right. there. Right. Or if my voice is Mather or McGillan, I put it on the back there. Right. Or right. if my voice is you know, Mr. Sinister, mm -hmm. right. So, so Mr. Sinister, yes. <laughs> right. right. Or Worf. I'm Captain, right? And I don't, I don't do him like he doesn't sound that much like him, right? right. Or Clint Eastwood, right? So, right. Or uh, the Godfather, right? Uh, right. I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse, right? <laughs> you know. So, I mean, you know, but that helps you. Yeah. So you, and then if something happens with that non-player character, mm -hmm. you can put a few notes on the back there and just keep it with the portrait. So you, yeah. So now you aren't digging through a book or a journal or whatever and searching whatever to try to find information. Right. It's right there. You've so, got a living world that you can directly reference if they run into him later. And they will. Because yes. that's another thing about what I believe about... Um, I don't want to give away too much, but in Chapter 1, there are a couple of doors that they can't get through in nice. the dungeon. People are going crazy because, <laughs> because they're used to 
getting through everything. In fact, if there's a door that blocks them out, they know that somewhere they're going to find some key that's going to let them in in that dungeon while they're playing, right? Right. Well, I'm going to tell you straight up, they're not getting through that door until chapter six. That's awesome. Okay, that's when they get through that door. Yeah. And so they got a lot to go through to figure out how they're going to end up going through that door. And, And... I like it when you go here and then have to come back and find out this and then come back, right? And and things have changed when you come back, right? Yeah. The the people you have met, maybe some things have happened to some of them, right? Right. Maybe weird things, right? Maybe the town that you thought was a very nice town, suddenly you come back to it and all of a sudden it's not a very nice town. Yeah. And this brings, this is the... The breathing of the world, right? Yeah. Where all of a sudden it feels alive. Yeah. Versus many tend to go just one direction, right? You go to here, you do this thing. You go to here, you do this thing. Yes. You go to here, you do this thing. You go to here, here, here. And rarely does it kind of come back. And if they do, it's the exact same as the last time you were there. I think that's something as, as a game master that you need to be aware of. It. Your players will realize that this world is changing and that it's what they do makes a difference in it. And I think that's really valuable, even in your own campaigns if you're creating something. I think that's a great talent to have. Well, honestly, if you look at... Um, you were talking about, was it good for uh, both new game masters as well as old? It's very good for, yeah. for new game masters. Yeah. Because there's not a whole lot of training out there. Unless you're kind of in this kind of if you, right. unless you walk here right yeah. now you walk here there's all these marvelous game masters all over the place people who've got you know you walk into the Adventures League and you watch some of those those men and women in there and they're yeah. just dancing so well and they've just, run thousands yes, of campaigns and, and you feel their energy and you know this this young man Dax did uh, actually ran our game last night he was marvelous and, <laughs> and um, you just uh Unless you, but unless you're hanging around here, you kind of are learning the game master kind of in a vacuum, right? Yeah. Is a little yeah. bit, right? We, in our materials, I think, give a little more juice nice. to help a new game master actually know what to do. And so, um, so for the seasoned game master, we save them all manner of time and trouble and effort and all that kind of stuff. We do the same thing for the new game master, but on top of that, we actually help the new game master to be a little better, right? So... That's what we do, Chris. Right on. So uh, just real quick before you go, what advice would you give somebody that's trying to create their own world? Uh, I mean, world building is marvelous. It is also incredibly time consuming. It is very hard, yeah. And um, Is there something that you've stumbled across that you're like, oh, this is something everybody should be doing, but they're not? Well, here's the core of all of these kinds of games, unless you're just playing silly. And, and I don't want to say silly in a negative way. That is not my intent at yeah, all. There's nothing wrong with a fun one. Goofy, shot. fun yeah. games that are going, you're right. Part of this TTRPG thing, this role-playing thing, is, is that we have to, we're asking our players to suspend their disbelief. Mm-hmm. Right? This is a very important thing. And if you're trying to make it more intense, which is the games that I like to run, I like a little more intensity. I like creepiness. I like I like people to be little scared, right? Yeah. I like I like tragedy to happen, yes. right? That propels you to another thing, right? I like all of this sort of drama, right? Yes. Which is why we go to movies in the first place. Why we read Absolutely. books, right? You have to have you have to corral yourself enough so that the suspension of disbelief is not destroyed, right? So it has to feel real. It has to make sense. That's why monsters come from the corrupted high magics. That's why uh, uh, 
That's why the blood touch exists, right? So all of these things that are sort of crazy out there, there's a rationale for why they they subsist or they, why they why they have been created, right? Um, try to make your world make sense in that regard. There are even tools on the internet you can look and, and see if your world works in physics, right? Nice. Ours is close. It's, yeah. it's not bad, right? It's, I mean, it's, it's about two. <laughs> There's got to be some it's, flexibility well, yeah, there. <laughs> I mean, we got three moons, and one of them's invisible, and there's a lot of weird, you know, stuff going on. I almost used a bad word there, but um, but uh, I, I would say that the first thing is don't don't go so crazy with your creation that you create a situation where the suspension of disbelief is hard to come by, unless you don't care, right? If yeah. you're creating. Candyland, right? right? Which is this, you know, there's a bunch of candy all over the place, right? I didn't know. <laughs> Why like, not? Like, uh, what was it? Uh, what was it? Wreck-It Ralph, right? Oh, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the whole, you know, those those worlds. You're creating those kinds of worlds. Oh, they, that's out there, you know. That, right. but if you're trying to create a gritty, sort of realistic world that feels scary, and and you want your players, sort of, you know, oh, it's kind of oh, yeah. Um, be careful with the suspension of disbelief, and then read whatever people do, right? Yes. Yeah. Because you, you've heard me speak, in our world there is the Dutton Sara Sea. The Dutton Sara Sea is made of this substance called murk crystal, right? Which is, it behaves like water even though it feels like sand. Yes. And uh, it is a creation of the woe of ruin, and it literally exists because of that. But far to the south, in the Dutton Sara, there are worms. And there are worms because I love Frank Herbert, yes? <laughs> and then the southern dunes yes. of the sea will be dedicated to Frank Herbert. That's yes? excellent. This is, and, and actually, if you read through our materials, you will see different places where we dedicate certain sections to certain marvelous, wonderful authors and people who have contributed to this genre through the years. You know, from Tracy and Laura Hickman, yes, to, to Gygax and Arneson, you know, um, obviously Ed Greenwood, who is my hero, um, and on and on, you know, and um, Margaret Weiss. Uh, it, 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 these people are brilliant and marvelous, and to to get a glimpse inside their minds can help you with your creations, yes? Yes. So Excellent. Right on. Anything else you need, my friend? No, thank you so much for chatting with us. I know both of us are behind on packing up now. Yes, but fortunately, we have minions. Yes, exactly. Yours is your wife. She's yes. going to slap you for yes, me saying Yes, she'll be less that. happy than your minion <laughs> will be, but I appreciate you taking some time to sit and talk with me. Thank yeah, you so much. Yes, yes. It was a pleasure. Yeah, Chris, thank you. <laughs> And that was Gooey Cube and Alphineas Goo. I really enjoyed talking to Alphineas. He's a he's a literal character, and uh, they they're really passionate about what they're doing. I really appreciate that. Their Kickstarter is doing great right now. You should definitely check it out. You'll find links to it and everything else, including a YouTube video I did of the unboxing of the first box in the Gooey Cube series over on our YouTube channel, and you can find links to all of that in the description below or at tabletopsandtentacles.com. As always, thanks for listening. May you live in interesting times.